Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Special welcome to those of you joining online. Perhaps you didn't realize that time had changed. You woke up late, but it's great to have you nonetheless. I got to say, we have an influential congregation, right? We have some people who are involved in things. Surely we have somebody that I can talk to about changing this whole time change thing. It just blows my mind that we can just decide, like, nope, we're going to have to wake up earlier this week. It's, it's, for clergy, it's the scariest day of the year because I know in my heart of hearts that my phone will change automatically. But then every time I think, but what if it doesn't? And I suddenly wake up, and I'm an hour late for everything, and it's a whole big thing. So whoever I need to talk to, well, let's meet afterwards, and we'll just figure out how to make time just stay the same which shouldn't seem that hard because time, anyway. Um, so we are starting a new sermon series. That had nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. Uh, we're starting a new sermon series talking about the lies we believe, the lies that you encounter in this world that you use to form your identity, to form who you are, right? When somebody comes up and asks, who are you? That's kind of how we go, get onto these lies that we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks, which will lead us into Palm Sunday and Holy Week and all of that. Today, we're going to be looking at the lie of I have to be strong, right? That's something that we see a lot in our culture, especially here in Texas. Um, next week, we're going to be going to one of the most universally understood lies out there, I'm not good enough. Man, that is a big message especially within Christianity. But then kind of piggybacking on that, the third week, we're going to look at the idea of I just am who I am. Almost accepting who you are, but almost in a defeatist sense. More on that. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then the last week, we're going to be talking about I am what I do. Because when somebody asks, who are you? Almost always, what do you lead off with? What you do. Your job, whether you're a parent, all of those things, Right? And so trying to break down some of these lies that the world throws at us. And to be clear, none of those are necessarily bad things, right? It's not bad to be strong. It's not bad to, to have a purpose in life. But, but it's the lie, that's that slight twist that occurs, right? Because that's how Satan controls these lies. Because these are the lies of, of the world and thus the lies of the prince of this world, the prince of darkness, Satan. When he deceives Eve, he doesn't do it just by straight out lying to her. No, he takes the truth and he twists it ever so slightly, right? He asked, is it true that God asked you to not touch any plant in the garden? And the actual thing was just to not eat from the, well, the two trees, right? And so he just takes the truth and he twists it ever so slightly. And lies are powerful because a lie, oftentimes, if we believe it to be true or, or we, we accept it as some hint of truth, it affects us as though it is true, right? And it can change our mentality. It can change our attitude. Here's some examples of some lies that perhaps you have believed in your life, okay? What can you tell me about George Washington's teeth? There's an interactive part. You can, you can say, they're wooden, right? You hear that? How many of you have heard that George Washington had wooden dentures, yeah, a lot of you. He didn't. Um, he did have dentures. In fact, when he was inaugurated, he only had one natural tooth left, uh, dental practices back then. Um, but he, most of his teeth were ivory. So it wasn't wooden. He didn't have any, because wood, like wooden saliva, that wouldn't work out very well. Um, so the other one that I have down here, what's Darth Vader's famous line? 
there you go. Luke, I am your, of course, from Luke. Luke, I am your father. But, but Luke, what if I told you that's not the line? It's actually, no, I am your father. Yeah, in response. So he never actually says Luke in that line. Or this is particularly my favorite one as I was kind of looking these up. How many of you, by show of hands, have heard lightning never strikes twice? Strikes in the same place twice. Scientists and meteorologists hate this one because um, not only is it not true, it's actually the opposite. The lightning tends to strike in the same place twice. That when lightning strikes, it tends to strike in the same area pretty quickly thereafter because kind of the area is primed and all that kind of stuff, right? And so they say this little adage, this little idea, it's actually quite dangerous because people think, oh, well, I'm, I'm safe here, right? So this lie that we believe, and here's another one. If you don't think that, that lies that you see, even if you know that it's not true, that it affects you, have you ever been watching a movie or a TV show and somebody has a spider on them and you instantly are like, I've got spiders on me. Like you feel like there's like a hair in your shirt or something. You're like, that's it. That's the big one, right? And you, and you know, like I was just sitting here 30 seconds ago, no spiders. Now all of a sudden covered in spiders. Or like if you hear somebody has hair lice and you're like, Maybe, maybe me, right? Like you start, you, it's this lie, the, this deception that becomes part of your reality. And so that's what we're dealing with here. As we look at today's lie, this lie of the world, it's the lie and the myth, I have to be strong. This is something that, that I've observed a lot in our society, um, especially to be quite frank here in Texas. Men especially are taught, are raised to be a certain kind of strong. Oftentimes that comes across as stoic, emotionless, um, and, and this idea of, of this perception, this, this type of strength. And again, I want to clarify, strength is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with being strong. The lie itself is, I have to be strong. That somehow showing weakness means that you're, you're a lesser person. We'll cover that more in a moment. But strength inherently isn't bad, but it can be twisted, just like everything else. Right, a couple of years ago, the American media um, shared this picture of Russian President Vladimir Putin riding a horse with his shirt off. And they said, here is the picture of masculinity. This is what a leader should look like. Look at the, the toughness, the strength that he exudes. How is that working out now? Seriously, like, how is it, like this is somebody who had a lust for strength and power, who he, necessity of his very existence was exuding this image of strength. And now it's causing deaths and deaths. See, strength can be twisted. Strength becomes the thing and that becomes a problem. But then the lie isn't necessarily that. The lie is, I have to be strong. It's I, I have to show that I'm strong. I have to fight through this weakness. I have to fight through the things in my life that are not strong. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, but like I'm not looking to, to run any countries or anything like that, so I don't know what you're talking about. Well, there are different types of strength that I'm talking about here. The two most obvious would be physical, yeah, obviously, and then financial, financial strength. That's something that it almost has to go without saying because that's something that within our... Our American mindset is to acquire as much financial strength as possible. But there are other ones here, okay? Uh, what about emotional strength? That idea of being emotionally strong. As I, as I mentioned, uh, young boys are raised up. You don't cry. No, you don't show weakness. You've got to be strong. you just got to power through it, buddy. No, we're strong in this family. And you have to push through in this emotional strength that comes through. Or maybe you have a friend who they're going through a tough time, and you have to be the strong one for them. 
and you have to put on that brave face, even though you are hurting, it's not showing that. It's I have to be strong. Again, not necessarily bad to be strong for them, but it's when you put yourself to the side, when you literally cause damage to yourself because you're trying to put on that, that emotionally strong face. The second kind of strength is provisional strength. Um, if, if the emotional strength tends to go more towards men, where they're going to be the stoic, emotionless person, the provisional tends to go more towards women. Mothers in particular, right? They're the ones that will literally sacrifice themselves and their life and their dreams to try and make every need possible, every want possible for their kids. They got to make sure they're getting every kid to every practice. They got to make sure the house is clean. They got to make sure the lunch is packed just right and that the pictures look great for Facebook, right? I often talk about Facebook. Really, it's lacking two letters. It should be facade book um, because that's what it is. Oftentimes, you're just putting your best foot forward. You're putting a facade out there and say, look at how great we are because you have this desire, this need for provisional strength. The third one is interesting, given our context here, sitting in church, watching online, spiritual strength. This idea that you have to be spiritually strong. This, this unfortunately, is very common in the Lutheran church. We don't like to talk about doubts. We don't like to talk about questions. No, we put on this idea, that this air of being spiritually strong. That's why when I, when I ask for a volunteer to pray, or I ask for people to help out with Bible studies, people go, well, I don't know, because you're afraid of showing any spiritual weakness. They think that in order to pray, you have to be like this eloquent, like these and thous and thines. And to teach Bible studies, you have to have all the answers. It's the idea of this lie that you have to be spiritually strong, that somehow that has to be part of your identity. As a pastor, this one's big for me. This is one that I, I struggle with all four of these. You haven't heard the fourth one yet, but, but this is spiritually strong. It's on my mind whenever I'm around people. The last one is professionally strong, right? This is pretty common in our... American era, right, where you're trying to climb that hierarchy where your status indicates your worth, how big your office is, how nice your business card is, a professional strength. Are you the leader? Are you the follower? Are you the best at the following? It's all this question of hierarchy and stacking up and finding your worth in those things. Again, none of these things on their own are bad, but when you make that your identity, when you value your worth, based upon how strong you are, that is a lie of the world. Because even if you are strong, even if you're like, man, I professionally, I am just nailing it. I am, I am doing everything that I could possibly do, checking all the boxes, this is great. Your strength is still limited. Eventually, it will wear out. Eventually, you will wear out. We see in Isaiah 40, this was our, our reading earlier, even youths. And when it says youths, by the way, it's talking about like Olympic athletes. So these are like the peak athletes that it's talking about. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, what is it that renews them? It's their hope in the Lord. What is it that gives them the strength to keep going? It's their hope in the Lord. I can tell you so many instances from my life where I have a plan, 
I have an idea of the way things are supposed to go. I, I said, well, I'm going to move here at this point. I'm going to have this job and do this. And along the way, these obstacles pop up that just are life-shattering. Along the way, as I'm going along the path, all of a sudden I see a brick wall on the horizon and it's getting closer and closer. And in my head, I'm thinking, it's fine. I'll just navigate around it. I'll figure out a way through this. It's fine. And as it gets closer, I'm realizing I don't have a way through. I don't have a way over. I don't have a way under. I don't know what I'm going to do except for crash and burn. And it's in that moment as that panic sets in, as I have those restless nights, that I pray to God, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I don't even think I can do this. And that's when God says, great, because I can. That's when God says, now get out of the way because I know what I'm doing. I'm going to show you a different way that you hadn't even considered. See, there are times in your life where you're relying on your strength, but you will get tired. I assume nobody's tired these days with all the things that are going on in the world. No, we all have energy coming out of our ears. None of us are frustrated or exhausted. None of us are at our wits end. Of course we are. In fact, when you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? The standard response now is tired. <laughs> and I think it's true for all of us. In fact, it's a bit of a lie. The standard response is, I'm fine, because, you know, we have to be strong. But the reality is, we're all tired. Even youths grow tired. Even the best, the strongest, the fastest, they grow tired. Your strength is limited, but God's strength is unlimited. And so we put our hope in him. We say, God, I turn it over to you, and I trust in you. So what do we do? We have to be weak. <laughs> it's so contrary to our idea of strength. It's so contrary to our idea of building ourselves up, isn't it? And yet here we are, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That word delight there, it's eudikeo in Greek, which means to think well of, to delight, to embrace. The question to ask yourself, if you're willing to, to work past this lie of I have to be strong, the question is, what weakness do you have to embrace? What weakness should you be embracing in your life? What emotional hurt should you be dealing with? What professional baggage should you be looking at? What thing, what weakness do you have that you should be embracing? Because the reality is our, our perceived strength gets in the way of progress a lot of times. Like going back to that emotional strength idea, how many relationships are strained with somebody because they're emotionally cut off? You don't want to be friends with somebody who won't give you anything back because they have to be strong. What weakness do you need to embrace? That last line there, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to throw some Greek words at you here and this will kind of break it down so we can get a slightly different translation, okay? The idea, the word grace comes from charis. Uh, it means unmerited favor, divine influence upon a heart. Archaeo, that is eliminating a barrier, sufficient, exactly enough. Dunamis, that's where we get the word dynamite from, incidentally. It means explosive, miraculous power. Telete means 
completely fulfilled, and asthenia means disease, infirmity, or brokenness. So if you use kind of shift those synonyms around, you could use that same line, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, and you could say it this way. God's divine influence in your life is exactly enough to meet you in every need. For his explosive, miraculous power is made completely perfect in you when you are broken before him. See, the message of Christianity isn't that you came in through those doors as a pretty good person. Isn't that you came in through those doors just because you, you chose to be here and you're pretty strong and your life's pretty well together. No, the message of Christianity is that we came in through those doors as broken people. If we're honest, if we get past that facade, that, that lie that, quite frankly, we're using to deceive ourselves, if we actually are honest as we look in the mirror, we know the pain that we experience. We know the frustrations in our lives, the exhaustion that we feel on a daily basis. But the message of Christianity is that God is more than that. That we can take that worry, we can take that guilt, that we can take that shame and lay it at his feet and he will take it. He will renew us. He will give us new energy and new vigor. That's the message of Christianity. When people look at us and say, well, they're just hypocrites. No, that just means they don't understand the brokenness that it is to be a Christian. We're not hypocrites, at least we shouldn't be, because the facade we should be putting out is, yeah, uh, we mess up pretty regularly, but God forgives us every time. See, we are called to live differently than the world. As we look at these lies over the next couple weeks, that's the message that we have to cling on to. We as Christians, we as followers of Christ, we as people who believe in an eternal triune God, we are called to live differently. That we shouldn't be the ones striving for all the status and all the, all the provision and all those things that we should instead be turning it over to God and say, God, I don't understand how it's going to work, but I trust in you. I trust in your Holy Spirit to be at work in this situation. We are called to live differently than the world. We are called to recognize that our worth doesn't come from our status. It doesn't come from our job title. It doesn't come from how many kids we have in college and how great they are. It doesn't come from any of that. Our worth comes from the fact that you were made by God. He knows every hair on your head and he loves you in spite of the sin in your life, in spite of the mistakes, in spite of the things that you try and hide that you're not putting on the Facebook post. In spite of all that, he looks at you and says, I love you. My beloved child, I know you, and I love you. And that's not y'all. That's not second-person plural. You, you can't hide from that saying, well, he's just talking to everybody, not necessarily me. No, God's love is for you. Yes, you. That's the message of Christianity. That's how we combat the lies of this world that says, no, no, you're not good enough until you're strong enough. You're not, you're not good enough. You don't have enough worth. You don't have enough value until you show that strength, until you climb this ladder, until you put on that tough facade. No, we bring our brokenness to our God and then to the people around us. Look around. We can be broken together. You can bring that pain and that sorrow to the people in your life and your church. You can come together and say, yeah, you're messed up. I'm messed up. Great. Let's talk about it. Because we are called into community. That's what you watching online, you're missing out on a little bit. 
You don't have that community around in the same way. And so I would challenge you to find a local church to get involved with because you need this. You need people living together, struggling together, failing together. That's what Christianity is all about. So we have strength through the one true God. We have strength through the God who knows us and loves us. We have strength through Christ who gives us hope, who gives us love, and who gives us our lives. Mistakes and all, he gives us his grace. And that is the strongest thing we have. Amen.